mentioned, um, I am Craig. <laughs> Actually, that sort of sounds a bit like from a Marvel movie, doesn't it? I am Groot, but anyway. Uh, I, I, I've been up here before, and I remember last time I was up here, I was um, telling you that I really like movies. <laughs> I still love movies, so I... Um, Sort of all sorts of genres of movies, eh? sort of war films and uh, what else, documentaries, quite like those. And I particularly love like the Marvel movies, superhero genre. Really, really like it a lot. And I reckon, um, I know there's probably a few people out here who've watched uh, most of these movies. There's probably some who've got no idea. But uh, a few years ago, Marvel made, I reckon, two of the greatest films ever, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, and they were just magnificent. Seriously, even if you hate superhero movies, these are great. And, um, you know, like, I'll give you a quick plot summary, right? Like, so they're that good. And so there's this, there's this bad villain guy, right? He's, he's terrible, and he's sort of purple, but, you know, that's... Okay, it's all right, but anyway. Um, he's this purple guy, and he's sort of got this, this dastardly evil plan, which the villains do... And he, he sort of wants to sort of make sure, it sounds okay at this point, he wants to make sure that there's enough resources for the people in the whole universe, which sounds good. The only thing is, is that he doesn't think there's enough resources, so his plan is to kill every second person. And sort of, you know, that's why he's the villain, because that sounds horrible when you say it out loud. And, and the thing is, he sort of wants to actually go and grow organic vegetables. So it does get a bit weird there. But anyway... The thing is, is that his plan is to get these magical stones, and he, he's got to get these six magical stones, and he's got to put them in this sort of oversized but rather cool-looking glove. And yeah, I, I didn't draw that, but I wish I had. And um, so it's this big sort of golden glove he's got, and then to sort of carry out this plan, this evil plan, all he's got to do is snap his fingers. And, and the great thing about these movies, this sounds terrible on a stage in a church, he does this, it's fantastic. And, and the thing is, as you see, sort of every second person sort of phase out of existence. It's sort of like from this moment on in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everything's going to change. Everything is now different. And sort of Marvel, owned by Disney, you know, they're onto a winner. So they keep on pumping out film after film to make more money. But they, they often, in each subsequent film, will always sort of refer back to this moment called the snap. It's a time where everything is now different. Everything's going to change. And tonight, we're going to look at a scripture, which we carried on last week uh, in our series in the Good News. Write the next few verses from last week about the Good News. And, and we're going to look at this scripture, just two short verses. But this is a moment where everything is going to change. The scripture is a snap moment. Everything is now different for everybody, everywhere, and every time. So if you've got a device, if not, uh, I recommend you turn to it because um, some of the versions are slightly different and um, they're pretty cool, the different versions as well. But anyway, let me read to you this from Mark chapter 1. Reading on from last week, so if you're here last week, this is the next verse, 14 to 15. So, now after John was arrested, 
Jesus, he came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, just in case you weren't here last week, it's sort of, it's a good idea to sort of understand the background to these verses. So instead of just sort of flying straight into it, sort of pulling parts out, it's sort of important to understand the context of how we got to this stage right here. So, so last week, um, the very first verse in Mark, it says, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you see this word gospel, that's just wrong or pie or good news. This is the good news of who? This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and so... And so Mark, this is a really short, the shortest of the four life stories of Jesus. There's four accounts, like four bibliographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is the shortest one. And Mark just sort of like, he doesn't muck around. It's sort of like straight to the point. And it's sort of basically, he, he just, he brings in this Old Testament prophecy written hundreds of years earlier from Isaiah. And this prophecy sort of talks about somebody who's going to prepare Prepare the ground for the, the king to turn up. And so, so Mark brings in, sort of like opens the stage. Imagine the school play. The curtains come back. A guy called John the Baptist walks onto the stage very quickly. He's not on there for long in Mark. And, and the thing is, is that Mark just sort of like, sort of gets straight to the point about John. John is this interesting character, huge character in the Bible, like seriously, he's sort of sort of like this anti-establishment figure, really, really different sort of guy. Like he's out there, he's got these designer clothes on, camel hair skin, which would be just so itchy, it's never taken off. But anyway, um, he's out there and he's eating wild honey and he's eating locusts. Like, you know, it's sort of slightly strange, eh? Like, I don't know, locusts, what's that? I don't know. Um, it's not vegan because it's animal product, I don't know, he's an insectitarian, right? So he's, he's going, he's eating the bugs, and he's got this message, and he says, repent and be baptised. And he's sort of like set up camp in the WAPs. So you'd sort of think, like, who's going to listen to this guy? But he's got this huge following. People are flocking to him. In fact, he's actually recorded outside of the Bible as well. Jewish Roman historian Josephus picks up that there's this huge movement by this guy called John the Baptist. And John's getting a big following, but Mark gets to the point real fast. John says, hey, calm the farm to everybody who's coming. He says, just, just calm down. Somebody more important is coming. Somebody so special is coming. And I can't even tie his shoelaces. He is that perfect. And since... Mark, like the school play, he whisks John off the stage pretty quick. And onto the stage, the main star comes. Jesus walks onto the stage, and he's proclaiming the gospel of God. And, and, and that's, that's a sort of like a bit of an interesting statement, isn't it? Like proclaiming the gospel of God. You know, sort of like in the original language, uh, what we miss here in the English is that it's in the... What this is the linguist, this is what they call it, the possessive form. So this is God's gospel. God's the author. God's the owner of this gospel. 
And now we have the Son of God proclaiming the message of the Father. And, and this thing with John the Baptist and all these people, you know, there's this fervor in the land. People, people, the Jewish people are waiting for something. They're waiting for the kingdom of God because all through their scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, there's this concept of the kingdom. There's this concept that one day God, the, the ruler of the universe, the creator of everything, he's going to make this personal visitation to the earth. And when he comes, he's going to fix it. He's going to restore it. He's going to redeem it. And as Elliot alluded to last week, really important to understand this for the Jewish people. He was going to get rid of God's enemies, which in their view were the Romans, number one. So actually they would have put that up at number one of things to do. Get rid of the enemy first, and then you can do the other stuff. But this is this, this whole further, this, this longing for this kingdom. People are waiting, and onto the stage, front and center, Jesus comes. The times are fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Snap. Everything now changes for everybody, everywhere, and every time. It is a big deal. The times are fulfilled. What time? <laughs> the time. Like That's capital T, capital H, capital E. It's the time. Like This is kingdom time. And, and the thing is, once again, in English, we, we sort of we lose a lot of impact from the translation. Uh, the Greeks actually have two words for time. English is only one word for time. Uh, let's give you an example. So, you know, do you want to go to the movies next week? Oh, what time? Thursday, 8 o'clock. Or do you remember when we went to the beach last summer? We had a great couple of days there. It's sort of like period of time. And, and this, is, this is just our word for time. We, we understand it. We sort of get the nuances. But the Greeks have two words. The first word is chronos. Uh, chronos is where we get the... The English word chronology from, like, I don't know, what's an example? Oh, I don't know. I woke up this morning at uh, 7 o'clock and I went for a run and... <laughs> actually, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'd never do that. Okay, bad example. 8 o'clock I had breakfast, you know, stuff like that, you know, and then 9 o'clock I went to church. Well, I did those two things anyway, not the run. But you sort of like, those are points of time. The historical... Uh, chronometer, another word for a wristwatch, is, is where it comes from, chronos. But the word used here where Jesus says the times are fulfilled, this is not chronos, this is kairos. And kairos is a, is a word which means just this massive moment. You, you can't miss it. Like, um, what's, what's a good example? I don't know, we'll talk about wake up this morning and um, I had breakfast, it was wheat bits. Yeah, whatever, that's whatever. But if I woke up this morning, and I woke up a bit later, and I invited all my mates around, we had a big fry, we had bacon and eggs like men's breakfast, and we had sort of like waffles with you know, maple syrup on, that's, that's kairos. That's just not historical, that becomes historic. And, and this is what it is, it's just this huge moment in time where everybody will remember I suppose, best example, Queen Elizabeth, you know, her passing away this week. That's a, a kairos moment. 
where everybody understands the importance. And, and, so, and so on this, you know, like Jesus comes in and, and the times are fulfilled. He's, he just says things which are incredible. Like no word is void, really. Like he, he just fulfills time. This year is 2022. That's AD. That's not after death. That's Anno Domini, the Latin for the year of our Lord. Everything about him is incredible. Absolutely everything. And he comes on and just everything is now changed. Everything's changed. And so... And so he comes on, fulfilling the times, and then he says something interesting. The kingdom is near. That's a really interesting statement. This kingdom of God is near. What does that sort of mean? Like that's a that's a tricky concept, the kingdom of God. And it's near. Like, seriously, what does that mean? Like if it's near, is that like geographic? Like the kingdom of God's like one and a half K down the road, like we can drive there sort of stuff? Or Jesus has come to say that this kingdom is here. It's near. It's, it's sort of right now. And the thing is, is that even though it's a sort of a tricky concept, um, I really recommend that you listen to Daryl this morning because it was fantastic how he described it. But I'll give you the Craig McGregor version, not quite as is um, well done as Daryl's, to be fair. But anyway, when Jesus comes, he is the king. He's the boss. Like He is king over everything. There's nothing he's not the king of. He's the king of the physical realm, the spiritual realm, the eternal realm. He, he's the king. And when he's come the first time, his, his first mission, he's come, and, and, and when he comes... Where he is, the kingdom is. And where the kingdom is, that's where his rule is. And so when he's come the first time, what he's come to do is set up the rule of God in people's hearts everywhere, in men and women's hearts. Because he's come to free people from another kingdom. The spooky castle kingdom you can see up there. The spooky castle kingdom is the kingdom of darkness. And this, this kingdom of darkness, everybody is trapped in. Everybody is trapped by sin in this kingdom of darkness. It didn't used to be like that. Originally, when God made everything, it was perfect. There was this perfect garden. But due to the disobedience and the rebellion of one man and, and his wife Eve, everything has been cursed ever since, and we are trapped in this kingdom of darkness. And Jesus has come to free people from that kingdom. And, and as people hear about Jesus' name, and if they turn away from their sin and they ask for forgiveness and they follow him, then they're free from this kingdom of darkness and they're in his kingdom. And what happens is freed people go out and they tell other people about Jesus and if they respond in the same way, then they're free from the kingdom of darkness. And this is what we call the, the kingdom expanding, the kingdom sort of advancing. And, and the thing is, 
that Jesus, he's inviting everybody into his kingdom. Everybody is invited into the kingdom. And, and sort of like sometimes when you think of a kingdom, like you sort of think, yeah, but, you know, you know what? shouldn't it really be a castle, Craig? You know, really, shouldn't there be walls and a, you know, a gate? You can obviously tell um, with the king living in the castle with knights and shining armour. I mean, I obviously watch too many movies. But, you know, the thing is, is that we, we sort of think sometimes that's what the kingdom should be like. And one day, one day the kingdom will be walls and big gates because one day there's going to be a kingdom which is going to last forever. And Jesus is inviting you to join him in this kingdom forever where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, just joy. And the thing is, in this kingdom, you get to actually dine with the king. You get to eat at the king's table. It's a real, literal kingdom. And I'll just give you some dimensions because it's quite interesting because the Bible gives this dimensions of this kingdom that is to come. It's 1,500 miles long. Sort of, you might wonder, how long is that? Well, New Zealand is 1,000 miles long. It's 1,500 miles wide. It's big. It's 1,500 miles high. It's massive. There will be never anything ever to rival this. It will come from heaven. And the king is inviting you to live with him eternally. And while you're there, forever and ever, you don't have to actually go out to work to pay the rent to live there. It's free. The food is free. <laughs> it's fantastic. And, and sometimes when you sort of say it like this, people go, okay, yeah, well, that doesn't sound too bad. I could sign on the dotted line for that. Why not? But the thing is, Jesus says something else in this little statement where he snaps his fingers. He says this, repent and believe in the gospel. And sometimes, sometimes when you say that, this is where people go, <coughs> sorry, you said what? I've got something caught in my throat. <coughs> are, are you serious? Did you just use that word repent? Like wasn't that from the 1800s sort of stuff? Let, let me describe the word repent like this. I'm a pharmacist by day, and I, I go out and I hand medicine to people. And um, sometimes when I go out and I hand the medicine to someone, uh, you know, I've heard this a few times over the years, they look at the pills and they just go, are you kidding me? Like, I can't swallow that. Is this for a rhinoceros or something? Like, I mean, like, it's just, it's not going to get down the gullet, mate. It's massive. Or they'll come back storming in with a mixture and they'll say, have you ever tried this? It's just absolutely filthy. And, and it is half the time, but that's not the point. The, the thing is, is that sometimes when, when you say the word repent, it's like medicine that people just don't want to take. And, and, you, and you can use this word repent, and it's sort of like dropping, I don't know, like dropping an R-bomb. The R-bomb sort of goes off, and all the R-words come flying out, R this, R that, like... It's sort of like, oh, that, that's just not relative today, Craig. That's just not relative to truth anymore because now truth is relative. Like if I think I'm good enough to go into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness, 
I can go in because, you know, I'm a good person. Like I, and a good person normally means I haven't killed anyone this week, or I'm not Adolf Hitler. And that's, that's sort of the standard of being good. And, and the thing is, is like this R-bomb which goes off, it just sort of repels people. It's sort of like, oh, it's, I can't take it. It's revolting. It's like medicine. I can't swallow that. The thing is, like medicine, <laughs> the medicine is given, like repentance, to heal you, to restore you, to literally bring you back from the dead, because this is what repentance is. And I know sometimes when you hear the word repentance, we sort of think of some guy on the street corner with a sandwich board and says, repent, and you sort of think, oh, that's just craziness. But, but repentance is is in, a, in the Jewish context, it's, it's not too tough to get your head around. It's, it's, quite, it's quite easy in some ways to sort of like, when you can see it like this on the big screen, repentance is this, that the kingdom of darkness is over there. Sin has trapped you. And repentance has this idea of turning your whole sort of life in the opposite direction. This is this Jewish context of reorientating from the kingdom of darkness and the sin that's holding you down, reorientating your life and going this way. That, that's what it's about. And the thing is, is there's, you know, as you turn saying, I don't want that, and you, and you ask for forgiveness, and as you keep on turning, you are now following God. Uh, you know, last week, the Sunday night here, we had this incredible example of it, where Lizzie was baptised. And she said words to these effects. She said, you know, I'm, I'm no longer, you know, caught in sin. I've been forgiven. And I'm following Jesus. That's going from the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light forever. With God. It's a big deal. It really is a big deal. Now, I think we should just say this. Repentance, it doesn't mean that you are never going to stop sinning because we all have a problem with sin and a daily problem and if repentance means that you would never sin again well then I can tell you right now nobody's repented but repentance is this idea of you know you are changing your direction everything's going to be different now for you uh, here's an example let me tell it to you this way imagine if you're cold you're cold You've got a fireplace and you look over the fence and your neighbour's got all this lovely dry firewood stacked up. You've run out. And you think to yourself, I'll just borrow some of that firewood. He won't mind. You know, pretty hard to return to used firewood, right? But anyway, you sort of like decide to borrow it at 2am with a wheelbarrow and you shoot over and you come back and you light the fire and it's good for a few days. You're warm. Here's the difference between repentance and just sort of this is the difference between changing your direction and just thinking it's a bad idea. If you think it's a bad idea to steal, you go, I really shouldn't do that, but I don't really care. I know it's bad, but I'm still going to do it anyway. That's not repentance. Re repentance is basically going to your neighbour, knocking on the door and saying, hey, <laughs> I've used your firewood and I'm sorry. What can I do to make it up to you? And the thing is, is that 
it is important to understand that that sin on this side here is powerful. And it's sort of the kingdom of darkness, even though we had the spooky castle, actually the kingdom of darkness has a lot of glitter to it. It sort of gleams and it sort of glints and it's sort of like fireworks over there the whole time. And it's sort of like it is attractive in some ways. And the thing is, we, we sort of like think to ourselves, oh, we're like magpies, sort of like that's glittering. And we sort of chase things like possessions or we chase, you know, sort of uh, sex. And we chase sort of things like power. And, and this, this, this sin, it just easily calls to us. But the thing is, Jesus is infinitely more powerful And Jesus is actually offering you the choice tonight of which kingdom you want to live in. This is the uh, the incredible thing. He's offering you a choice to to stay there if you wish. He doesn't force you in. Or to come and live with him forever in joy and just purpose from now on. These things do glitter. The treasures of this earth, they have this temporary sort of like glitter to them, but they are meaningless. The things that this earth offers you ultimately will fade away, will rot away, will just sort of burn away. But what Jesus is offering you tonight is life, life forever. And it is perfect life. And he's offering it to you today. That's why it's good news. It's sort of like the snap moment because the offer is on the table for every single person. You can accept it or you can reject it. But I just sort of like think, you know, sometimes we sort of think, oh, but these things over here, they're they're so neat. They don't last. What Jesus is offering you will last. And when this is calling to you, this is where he steps in. He will hold you. He will help you. He will lead you. He will guide you. And he will sustain you. And he fulfills you. That's what he's offering. And um, there was an an old song we used to sing here years ago. I'm showing my age, I know. A lot of you would have never heard this. But it sort of goes like this. You know, turn your eyes. Turn your eyes. So turn you around. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. These things which are glittering, they grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. The message is clear. The times are fulfilled. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, tonight you have given us the, the choice to, through your son to come into an eternal relationship with you. 
Oh Lord, I just pray for every single person here that they will hear your, your voice and that they will turn towards you. Lord, you love us. You love us so much as we've just done tonight through communion to remember the cross. Father, for everybody here tonight, I pray, Lord, please, Father, let them hear your voice to come into your kingdom forever. Amen. Thank you.